Hello, and welcome to the first episode of The Rewind. I'm Josh Jernavoy. Uh, some of you might have listened to my other movie podcast, 52 and 52, where every week my co-host and I, Anthony, talked about movies, and we're often joined by friends. In this podcast, I'm going to be joined every episode by a lot of those same friends and some new ones to talk about various movies, old and new. But enough intro stuff, though. I want to get right to it. This week's episode is about Hereditary, and I'm joined by two old friends from my days as a media person back before I became a lawyer moonlighting as a movie critic, Graham Hall and Richard Johnson. Guys, thanks for joining me. That's good to be on. It is good to be on. The alligator back together again, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I, I couldn't have thought of uh, two better people to talk about this movie with. And Graham, you've, you've talked to about at least one horror movie with me before on a on a podcast when we talked last year about um, a different A24 horror movie in The Killing of a Sacred Deer. So I know you are a big horror guy. I wanted to, before we get started, I wanted to ask Richard, like, people have different reasons for going to horror movies, and I've had, like, a, an evolving relationship with the genre just since I've been kind of doing this movie podcasting thing. But, like, are you generally a big horror fan, and what are the reasons that you go to them? So I, like, I, I don't really, like, like or dislike horror movies. I don't think it's my favorite genre. Um... But like I don't know I don't I don't like I definitely don't dislike horror movies and I definitely not you know scared of one. Um, but actually the big thing was I have Movie Pass now, so mm-hmm. it, you know before Movie Pass collapses on the weight of its shitty uh, business get it, plan. Get it while uh, it lasts. Get it while it lasts. Yeah, well, you might as well maximize. Uh, you might as well maximize your investment. So I've been seeing movies like crazy lately. Nice. Um, and I like. I, you know, I had a friend that wanted to see Hereditary. Um, they were the ones that kind of, I had never heard of it. Okay. Um, you know, they were, she was the one that was like, hey, like we should, um, you know, we should go see this, like da, 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 da. And then I looked at her trailer and I was like, hey, it looks good enough because essentially I'm getting the movie for free because MoviePass pays for itself once you use it once a month. Right. Um, so went in, went in pretty blind and I was pretty happy that I went in blind to it. Um, and like, didn't read any like advanced reviews or anything like that. I mean, I had seen the Twitter, uh, no one spoiled it on Twitter for me, but like, that's kind of what everyone said on Twitter was like, Oh my God, what did I just watch? I'm freaking out, but best to go in knowing nothing. So I did the same thing. Uh, Graham, what were your expectations going in? Well, I guess this is, this goes without saying, but this is a movie that we can't really talk about without saying that everything is pretty much going to be a spoiler. So if you haven't seen the movie, you probably should stop listening now. Yeah, I, uh, did, Richard, I, did, I didn't want to even put the effort into like trying to find a delineation for where we would oh, spoil there's it. No we're, point we're, we're not doing that. Discussing, I mean, there's no point in discussing many horror movies without you know saying that there's going to be spoilers implied. But Richard, your point about saying that you went in blind is something that I like doing a lot more. And I found that maybe it's like a psychological thing from having movie pass. You know, I'll see a lot of things and not look them up and want to surprise myself. And without having this huge financial investment, I'm not, um, I'm not, you know, really as harsh on movies I've found. And, but this is a movie that I had seen, uh, from being very familiar with a 24 and the, the, you know, that sound that was all Uh. over the trailers. Yeah. That's going to freak everyone out. And, um, so your point was, that you know you, you didn't really know what to expect, but I thought that the girl was going to be a much larger part of the movie uh, than it than she really was because most of the early reviews described it as you know the exorcist of this generation and and obviously I didn't think that the girl was in any way as memorable um, as the girl in The Exorcist, but it still did a very good job of keeping you. Uh, unsettled the entire time and throwing you in through different loops, even if you thought you knew what was going to happen until the end. So I like I thought the the brilliance of the movie. So I, I'm of so okay. First of all, I liked it. Like I liked it. I liked it a lot. 
I will say that I thought it was the true horror in Hereditary lies in the normal parts of the movie, the relatable parts of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what made it scary. Um, I thought when you got into the seance and the supernatural stuff, basically most of the second half, or the meat, I think, of the plot in the second half, I thought it kind of just became like everything else, and I thought it was more a garden-variety horror movie. But I will say, throughout the entire thing, the way it's written, shot, edited everything, I thought it was incredible the way it incrementally ratcheted the tension and kept it there. Like, when it was over, I, like, when it was over, I literally turned to the person I was with, and I was like, I'm, like, tired. <laughs> I'm tired and, like, sweating. Like, this is, like, it was still, it was definitely an enjoyable movie um, and all that kind of stuff and a good horror movie. Um, but the real horror and the terror lied in kind of those, like, relatable, like, family, you know, familial things, the, the hereditary part of it. But, yeah, like, when you talk about going in blind, like, I had no clue that the girl was basically not going to be a part of it, like, once you got 30 minutes in. And, like, I think they really gave a... They really gave a good fake out and a misdirection on what the movie was really, really going to be. Um, and I think that's probably kind of that like A24, like art house vibe. Like I don't really know a lot about A24, but from what I gather, it's kind of like art house and kind of, you know, you know, messing with the audience. And you guys can probably speak to that a lot more than I can. Yeah, well, I, well it's funny. It's, I think it's hard to pigeonhole what an A24 movie is because that's part of what's so great about them is that they've worked across so many genres doing different types of interesting independent movies the last few years. But this is actually – this movie actually I think has a lot of similarities to a movie that A24 put out about this time last year called It Comes at Night. I highly recommend it. Um, but it, it's very tense throughout but not your traditional horror movie. And both movies actually like got bad audience Rotten Tomato scores and bad uh, cinema scores and that kind of thing just because I think people went in expecting a more traditional slasher film throughout and didn't get that. But the point I, I like that you made, Richard, was just talking about how the best stuff was probably the most relatable stuff. I – uh, and for the first tw almost 27 years of my life, I had all four of my grandparents. I was very lucky in that regard to live to be that old and still have good relationships with all my grandparents for that for that long. In December, my grandfather passed away unexpectedly, and uh, my gr and my dad's mom more expectedly passed away in March. But like both of them, like were great people, had great relationships with the family. They were like once you actually got over the initial shock, everyone had a lot of fun remembering everything that was so great about them. So you so I get dropped into this movie, and it's like what if I had a grandparent that died, but like everyone really didn't know if they liked them or not, and they had some really messed up shit that went on in their lives. What kind of effects would that have on the rest of the family, generations upon generations going forth? And I like thinking about, oh, is this going to be a movie about that with some added horror elements in there? And then I see the girl, and I'm like, uh, do I really want to watch a creepy kid movie? And then it turns into something else after that. So, like, I agree with Richard, and I like this stuff the first half of the movie better, but like, it certainly keeps you on your toes throughout. And I kind of like oh, how absolutely. it kept me guessing. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I certainly. And there's a thought. brilliance there in storytelling. There's a brilliance there in writing. And there's a <laughs> there's a brilliance there in pacing. Like I thought, uh, I, I I read a review that said that it was a little long. Um, I think I can see that. I think it actually was like I think it was on the verge of being a little too long. But I think that tenseness, that like anticipatory nature. Um, keeps it i think kept it from being too long on first watch i am interested though like if it comes out on netflix or whatever like what it's like on second watch yeah for sure i think you pick up different stuff and just knowing what's coming would make you could probably even not even thinking about what's coming next you're probably going to be able to focus more on what's going on in the present and i'm sure you'd pick up a lot of new stuff 
Um, but I think most horror movies are just a little shorter by nature. Uh, not most don't exceed two hours. But I mean, I think it's a testament to just how well executed it is. If you aren't like itching to get out of your seat, though people might be, but not because they're bored or whatever. It's just this movie freaked a lot of people out. I don't know. I, and I think that the, a lot of the people complaining about the time thing is that it is relatively slow paced um, at the time. It is dealing with the like the family's you know aftermath of uh, this maternal figure passing away, and like you said, uh, everyone kind of had their different thoughts about her. Um, the, the thing you said about relating to society and having these undertones that speak to us in society, it um, it made me think a lot about uh, you know the mental health commentary. And that's what I really got out of the title is the entire time you're wondering, um, did this mental illness skip a generation, which is a pretty common theme. And they, they, they established pretty on that the grandmother had disassociative identity disorder and schizophrenia. And you're wondering if it skipped the mother and went to the daughter, Um, and and, which is a pretty common thing. And and then, then you're kind of wondering the entire time when, when Tony Collette's character is having this breakdown, this gradual breakdown over the film, you're wondering if she really is dealing with this demonic force or if she is, you know, devolving into schizophrenia because of the grief from her daughter, the grief of losing her mother, um, everything else that she was finding out. That's the best commentary that I thought it had was that it makes you really wonder if this person is dealing with demons or if you're seeing someone, devolve into a mental debilitating disorder and that i think was i think tony collette's performance was very like i think tony collette and then the husband who, who name i don't know off the top of my head gabriel, gabriel Byrne. i thought both of them played the like tony collette that's that's the there's a horror in losing your mind like there's a horror in like, I think as you talk to, you know, our parents are kind of getting older now. And, you know, I talk to my parents about, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I think there is a horror in older people, in the older generation of like Alzheimer's, of dementia, of not being lucid like that, like being a, literally a prisoner trapped in your body in your old age. And so I think watching Tony Collette's mind kind of of unravel or her unravel, I guess I should say, as her mind kind of is, you know, mush or whatever, um, was it, it was an incredible performance. But then on the other hand, you have the husband playing this straight-ish man trying to, like a straight character, I should say, yeah. um, trying to figure out, like, what's going on? Is she crazy? Is she grieving? Is she coping? Is she grasping at straws to kind of figure this out? Like, you, it, it was almost a performance that conveyed a confusion of what the new, like it was, okay, we're going to entertain this for a little bit. You know, we're going to kind of let her do like even the seance scene where they first try to connect with Charlie. It was, it was like, all right, I'm going to entertain this. I'm going to, you know, Hey, let's do this for your mother. Like all this kind of stuff. And it gets to this point where it gets out of control or it gets, you, you get too deep or you realize that the situation or the person or the mind has gone to a place that you either can't, or are unwilling or didn't realize that it was going mm-hmm. and you can't, you can't put the genie back in the body. The cat's out of the bag. Like you're fucked. Well, what I, what I like is that it did all that stuff you just said, but one pet peeve I have with some pop culture these days is, and it's probably more a TV thing than a movie thing. Like, I don't know if you guys watch like Legion or Westworld, uh, a, a big part of those shows is just people figuring out what actually happened is, did that happen or did that happen? Or what was that? Or, and even if there are a few like hallucination scenes, it's like, or dream sequences or whatever you want to call them here. Like whether it be that, Oh my, that super intense scene where she 
the miscarriage thing where she's screaming at uh, screaming at Peter about how she tried to have a miscarriage and, and or the thing about like where Peter's getting eaten by the ants and then she wakes up. It doesn't the movie doesn't like make you at least I felt like I could tell what was happening or what wasn't until the end where he makes the comment about were you the one that vandalized the grave? And then I'm like, oh shit, like what have I been watching? I like that the movie waited at least till the end to have that oh shit moment, despite the fact that like you have this straight man whose presence I really did appreciate having him in the midst of all this. Still, like saying you're 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 insane. What? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? At least I kind of felt like it was still grounded in reality, probably because of him, you know. But I think that, like, I think that's kind of part of the point. I think that even though it went into that, and that's that's why I like. I wish there was a way, you know, a, a way that the story would have stayed in the vein of relatability of messed up family of mental health of it that was so strong yep and and the way it was conveyed was like the the scene where where peter gets home and you know it's just in on peter and you hear you know tony collette scream because she found charlie's headless body in the car like that is the most like Ugh. that is a that is a wrenching like just bit of like film and like story and it was just like ah because like oh he like drove home the whole time and like walked in the house and like knew he couldn't tell his mom and so he just like went to bed and he probably didn't sleep that night because of what happened and like he's it's 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 you're, you're inside his horror because you can feel what it may feel like to hide something high stakes from your parents obviously not that high stakes but you you know what it feels like to hide something that high stakes from your parents and know that they're gonna find out and that dread and then you ratchet it up to like that like that is why like i mean it was when the camera when the camera just sat on him after the accident when he's in the car yeah it was the movie was so scary in those moments in a very different way like it's it's hard to explain to people that haven't seen it what makes it so scary like it, that's just a different kind of of writing and 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 telling of a story um than at least i've seen and i think a lot of movies these days deserve i guess brownie points if you will for um not employing cheap jump scares and that's something that i certainly appreciate i guess my sister really of her mother in the room and scared herself, but it, it didn't really employ a lot of jump scares like that. And, and you guys have compared it to a few different movies that it reminded you of in terms of the tension and the relatability. But I think the best comparison to me is it follows, um, and a very similar in, in the very similar vein of tension ratcheting up the entire time. Um, that has another very disappointing ending. I think in my opinion, uh, that could have benefited with a better message at the end or a better way to, to fix things. Um, that's what I think really holds Hereditary back from being an all-time uh, great movie because I know that certainly the biggest um, controversy for some people is the way that they portray the, uh, um, you know, when she's killing herself with the wire, the, the proving that she really is the satanic force, all that stuff. That is, that is the stuff that um, I, I kind of was disappointed to see. It, it seemed very typical of the genre, and I was hoping that this was going to be a movie that continued to innovate into its ending. And, and I kind of thought some of that stuff was very, uh, I guess, cheap when the rest of the movie did so well at creating this tense atmosphere of believability and relatability that that when she's suspended in the air, you know, putting this wire in her neck, I'm, I'm sitting there being like, OK, this is now 
pulling out the tropes of many other horror movies. And I, I didn't really like you, that. I love that you talk about innovation because that's like I felt that the ending was a cop out. I felt Definitely. that and I felt that the way like I felt that it and maybe maybe in a sense maybe in a sense the story like I don't I don't know you know maybe it's not for me to know but I don't know what I would have rather seen if you're going to go that supernatural vein I'm not sure what I would have rather seen because I think that the movie ratcheted its tension up in a way that the ending that the it didn't the payoff was not the payoff that I felt the movie set itself up for the whole time, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I felt that the payoff was was way like it, it crescendoed, but you've gotta you've gotta nail the dismount. And I don't think it nailed the dismount in the I think it was 98, 97% an incredible horror movie. But I think the dismount, because it went in that supernatural vein, wasn't as good as it could have been. Or as good as I think the entire, as I think everything that came before kind of led you to believe it could be. Like I said, I, I, I agreed with you that I thought the uh, all the family stuff in the first half was preferable. But how, let's say it stayed on that track, how would you have wanted it to have crescendoed? Was there a specific That's thing the, you had in mind or no? I got an I, 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 I got an idea. I would like a I would have liked a Fight Club type ending where it shows through maybe a series of quick flashbacks, like some of the things that you know it that the film made you believe are really happening um, supernaturally, like the glass sliding, the book catching on fire. I would have liked if we see, saw like a few flashbacks of like her lighting her husband on fire, her like throwing the glass across the room um, that it showed like really maybe she was like sleepwalking, doing these things. And maybe I think the movie would have benefited well with her like getting mental health counseling and it being that indictment and then throw maybe then throw in that super you know, twist at the end where the son is still being haunted um, by Charlie. Uh, that that I think would have been kind of interesting, but I would have liked to see it continue down that vein of a mental health commentary where you see that really maybe Tony Collette did break into schizophrenia and you never really actually saw it happen to her, which is, which is a commentary on mental health in and of itself, where sometimes you don't see the outward signs as much as media often portrays you to believe. I would have kind of liked a commentary like that to continue in the end. I actually like I, I kind of like where you're going there. I think if you, I think if you kind of wanted a way to end it, in that kind of way, I think you flip it on the audience and make the audience feel like they're going crazy, and yeah. you find a way to you find a way to run that, and then I think you end it. If if I'm telling that story, I feel I try to make the audience feel crazy, whether that's a lot of misdirection, you know, in a way that doesn't feel cheap, um, a way that leaves. I would have liked the I would have liked to leave the audience with a feeling that they unraveled for two hours and and not have a tidy, neat ending. Like I think you just kind of leave it because I think that is part of the struggle and the issues and the problems with mental health in this country is that a lot of times like there isn't a good cure. Like a lot of times, like, yeah, like you can medicate and all that kind of stuff. Go to therapy or go to psychologists. But a lot of times, like, there isn't a happy ending. A lot of times you just live with it. And the people that are in your inner circle live with it. And I think if, if you're if you're doing a commentary on mental health as it stands in 2018, I think the better way to do that, if if that's what this movie was, if, if that's the strength of this movie, which I think we we all three of us agree was. 
I think you find a way to drive the point home that mental health is this horror, and sometimes you don't wake up from the nightmare. Right, and I, yeah, and even with a, a t- intense family story like this, it would have been a unique thing for it not to end with, or to have them end all alive, but like not having resolved all the issues that they had. Uh, but I mean, that, that dinner table scene was pretty incredible. Uh, we didn't, we didn't necessarily even talk about that yet. And that's part of what I like so much about the movie is that like it ratchets up the tension without even outwardly doing so. Cause you mentioned when she sees the thing in the car, but after, even after that, like I'm still like on the edge of my seat the whole time. Cause I don't know how they're going to treat Peter after that. And then, like, the whole time I'm thinking, we still haven't seen him interact with the parents yet since this happened. And then it, like, ends in that dinner scene. It's like, this family, we, we find out throughout the movie that they had some issues, like, well before the events of this movie even occurred. And not, not even just the mental health stuff, but just the stuff amongst the four of them. And it would have been fu- fu- funny if you went through all of this stuff, maybe not as crazy as you did in the last five minutes, but, like, a lot of this sh- shit, we see a lot of that. And then it just ends with them having to go back to being a family. And you're like, where do, where do these people go from there? Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, that would have been that would have been wild. You're right. You're right. Yeah, too many people go into movies nowadays expecting like absolute 100 percent resolution. Sometimes a movie can be scary and pose all these questions and not seek to answer every single one of them. It can sometimes just be a commentary on many factors and leave the audience, you know, making their drawing their own conclusion, having their own opinions about it without, you know, definitively having a movie be labeled as a supernatural horror movie that had commentary on mental health. Why can't it be where at the end, you know, kind of like a, an inception ending where the top, you know, you don't know if the top's going to wobble over or not. Why don't you really not know until the very end? I think that would have been far more effective letting people draw the evidence that there, it was mental health and the evidence that it was supernatural, which there were certainly some on both sides the entire time. I think letting people draw their own conclusion at the end would have been probably the healthiest catharsis of coming out of this movie, because otherwise it seems like they used a lot of mental health tropes uh, just to put a spin on a supernatural movie. And like we've said, that feels kind of cheap. I will say I didn't, I, I, I'll say I didn't think the I didn't think the mental health stuff felt tropey. I thought the supernatural stuff felt tropey. I agree. I think the supernatural stuff was what felt like just kind of the garden variety. Um, I think the mental health stuff was very authentic. Um, yeah. And you know maybe you know, maybe lean into that a little bit more. I think that I also think it's uh, and I think that they did leave. I think I think they did leave a little bit in the way of. Not like, and that's that's what I think. I look back on it as like a missing piece of what could have made it so much better than it already was, and I like I already enjoyed it. Um, they already did some stuff that they left unresolved, like the words that were written on the walls in like whatever language that was. I don't even know whatever language that was. Um, they never explained the decapitation theme, like they never really explained that. And even the director, I read after the fact in a review, the director was like. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of like that as a theme, which I think is great. <laughs> yeah. I think it's great that there was no like deep-seated meaning. Like, I don't know. Like, he just felt like it, and I think that kind of feeds into. It. But I think like what I what I say that to say like the elements of that are there. Um, the elements of kind of like th- those elements are there, and I think if you lean farther into that, I think you have a better, a scarier, a more rewatchable, a more debatable film. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with all that. I, I think that 
Um, the movie did enough good things to put a twist on many different genres, and and who's to say that one needs to fall into any specific category? And that's that's why you see movies because you don't want to go in thinking you have the movie pegged or you have everything uh, figured out before you go in. And and that's why certainly why I like seeing horror movies because. You know that's what it's all about. That's what scares people is is the unknown and the surprises of of our worst enemy of our worst fears uh, coming into play. And 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 oh, one of those in this day and age is uh, mental health, something that can kill you and change your entire life that many people can't control. And that's that's definitely an absolute fear in today's society. And I think that we're going to see a lot more movies in the future that that play off of that. And it's certainly relatable to see like. I mean, it's something that, like, if you if you haven't had mental health issues, odds are you know someone that has gone through it. So to put to drop you right in, like it does in this movie, in this slow way, not not even necessarily just the whole it's a familial theme thing we we're talking about at the beginning, but just the fact that like you're introduced to characters that are that we actually get to know because the movie takes its time at the beginning, and you kind of I, and I just felt like I cared more about them, even if we didn't see them doing like the nicest stuff. I cared about them because I knew what their family had gone through, and I was like, wow, like they're already sad enough, and I I don't want and I'm I'm like already rooting for them because of that, and that's a pretty futile exercise in this movie, but it certainly like actually like gave me something more to hold on to than I think some more. Uh, traditional horror films might though like i'm not the most well-versed in the genre and i'm the idea of the genre going in this direction certainly excites me though so yeah. all right well I, if you guys don't have anything else to add on the movie itself i wanted to ask you about your theater going experiences themselves i don't know i mean i know you hinted at some story you had earlier richard before we started recording because i had my own thing i wanted to <laughs> complain about at my theater yeah so i don't really i will say i don't really see a lot of besides like the really big blockbusters, I actually don't really see a lot of movies at the conventional time, like at night. Well, you guys don't uh, work nine to five jobs, so you get to you, you get to go when it's nice and empty without yeah. little kids. I I do kind of like seeing a movie in the day, um, so I don't usually see a lot of movies at night. Um, but when when first of all, the theater was packed. Yeah. The first theater we went to was sold out. And then we walked to another theater and it was we had just gotten there really early before the next showtime was packed. Um, one of the <laughs> funniest theater going in theater experiences I have ever had, though, happened in this movie where and it's it's a it's a it is a testament to the tension of the movie because this guy was in a wheelchair in a motorized wheelchair. And at one point he goes, man, this shit is so scary. I'm about to get up and walk out. <laughs> and, it was like it was, it was one of those things where, first of all, he wasn't sitting next to me, so it was loud enough for a lot of people to hear, and the whole theater started like laughing. And I think that's a testament to the to the movie going experience with that movie because it was so tense, it was so like pulse pounding throughout, and it never it never spiked in scary. It just slowly it was a slow cooked scary um, that everyone is just like looking for some like emotional outlet of this like communal terror experience and somebody just says something like that at the perfect moment um and it just struck the right chord and it, there were moments like that throughout the movie that i don't think were intentionally funny i was gonna ask you guys about that yeah that there were a few moments that i remember kind of elicited laughter in the movie um and I, what like it's just we're all just so freaked out like what else are you gonna do I wanted to ask if you guys had like any moments because my audience laughed a few times too, and I was one of them was when she was put like I didn't even I didn't even say that the uh, 
the Tony Clegg character, she's, she's I, I don't know what that job is, a miniaturist. I saw it referred to as one thing, and I heard it called something else somewhere else. But when she's putting together the, the recreation of the accident, just the fact that she's doing that is, like, already fucked up enough as it is. But then when the husband asked her about what it was, she's like, this is just an accurate representation of what happened. Like, it's no big deal. And everyone, like, in my theater just cracked up at that moment. I'm trying to think. There were a couple of other moments that were funny, but it's just, like, in a movie that, like, has this much messed up shit that happens, as we've already discussed – it is pretty interesting that they found enough room for some like dark humor at the same time. Um, but as, as far as what you were talking about with the, with the tension, I think, I, and I, I don't, I, I mean, I, I like to complain a lot about people talking or texting or whatever in movies. And every now and then like something like that happens where someone says something so funny that it's totally worth the distraction. But in my movie, what these assholes thought was actually a fun thing to do, and maybe they were being smart is that periodically once Charlie died throughout the second half of the movie, people would randomly just do the tongue clicking. And then one person would do it, and then, like, five more people would do it. And it wow, was so actually, annoying. I Damn. That is actually yeah, – I, I wouldn't be laughing at that. It, it, didn't, it didn't scare me. It was just like I want to know if this is actually coming from the, the, this, the movie or not because it did. There were moments where it does come back in. And I periodically your audience members just kept doing that shit. And it's like, what's your problem? Just didn't watch the movie. And – I mean, because there are moments in this movie like you're West so West Palm Beach, man. Yeah, I know. It's so tense, and the, the silence only enhances the tension, as it does in a lot of horror movies. So I don't want an inauthentic breaking of that silence. That's for sure. And and I, but I saw other I, I saw other people talking about their experiences, and they're like, "Oh no, I was in a totally quiet theater, and that's just the way to go." And then oh, yeah, everyone was like pretty like besides that, yeah. Like, everyone was pretty but then my last five minutes of the movie. A, like I, I didn't know it, so for the most part, it could have gone a lot worse. But someone like behind me and to my right brought like a kid to the movie, uh, like a pr- probably like uh, I'm guessing I didn't get a clear look at him. Probably couldn't have been more than ten years old, uh, maybe a couple. It might have even been younger. But the kid started talking and just asking his parents questions for like the last three minutes <laughs> or something like that. And I was like, I mean, this is really annoying. You probably and you definitely shouldn't bring your kid to see this movie. But like. This could have gone a lot worse with the little kid in the theater the whole time, but it was just like, come on, people, get it together. That's why I see movie the, the movies in the day. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, uh, that, 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 that's the best time. And um, but yeah, I don't know. I I, I, don't, I don't even know if I totally gave my actual. I mean, I, I enjoy talking about it with you guys. I don't even know if I said, but I, I mean, I definitely liked it too. And I um, I have a growing appreciation for this genre, and I really respect what it did. Uh, I just don't know if it needed to get it, go in the direction it went to later on, but like, there's no fault in that if the movie provides you with as much entertainment as it did throughout and gives you the scares that you, for, on some level, probably want when you go to something like that. Do, do you guys have any other thoughts? Uh, no, I, I, I really enjoyed it, and I, I wish that more movies these days um, uh, made me feel that the way this one did and had as much tension without employing as many jump scares because to me that's the scariest movie where i really don't know what's going to happen jump scares don't get me too much but you know would many you, of these aspects don't would don't you say get, you know. would you say there even was a real jump scare in the movie i feel no, like there's nothing I, yeah there's nothing where someone I said that too and i didn't see anything no one I, really I, I was waiting on one the whole time yeah no yeah. one jumps out from behind a wall there's the stuff where someone will auto like you see her in the corner of the ceiling but that just comes into frame and it's like everyone's like oh but there's nothing where it, I was waiting for that to be like the, the, the whole time I was waiting for a jump scare. And I think that anticipation within me made it scarier because you're anticipating. But no, like it's the, the movie it. I will say jump scares would have been cheap 
but I think the writing and the, and the shooting and everything, I think the, the movie didn't let you off the hook. It didn't let you relax because after a jump scare, you can at least take a second to kind of say, well, there's not going to be a jump scare in the next three minutes. But like for this, like there was never a jump scare. So you're kind of waiting on the jump scare the whole time. But no, the, the actual movie is slow cooking you whether you realize it or not. And I think part of the reason I've never been like a big horror person is that I don't get a lot out of jump scares. Like some people just might like that feeling and it doesn't like make me feel bad. It just doesn't, I don't get a ton out of it. I think like, the, like, like we talked about earlier, like the scene right after the car accident, just staring at him. I think my heart races more during that than it even does during your traditional jump scare. And I think it's part of the, part of the, where the movie is so brilliant. Yeah. Like, like really early on. Uh, and with the EpiPen stuff with Charlie, that is one of a lot of people's biggest fears is, you know, being in a place <laughs> where they possibly have an allergic reaction or in a life or death scenario and they don't need and they don't have something that's going to save them. His carelessness with his uh, sister early on in the movie, you're, you're, the tension is there with, you know, when she's eating nuts, you know that they're chopping up nuts to go in the cake. Um, as he's going up like to like smoke weed with those girls or whatever, like you're wondering when the bad thing is really going to get her. Is she going to die of the, the anaphylaxis or is she going to, you know, something else is going to have to freak out at the party. That That's the stuff that really gets me when you really don't know what it is. You know, something's coming, but you, you can feel it, but you don't know what it is. Yeah. I think that the, the, the one thing that I, I read about it too, was the, the scene where Charlie gets decapitated was supposed to be like way like grislier initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually went with the way that it, that it went, but it was very jarring. It was much more jar- like we've all, we've all seen blood and guts and gore. Like, you know, we've all seen like a, a war movie or what have you, where that something like that happens. But I think the novel approach to the way they showed that with, you know, as I talked about, the, the focusing on Peter and staying on Peter through that and then just showing the head in this like decomposed like form like that yeah. is that is way more jarring and that is going to stick with me way more than yeah. even like I saw Fahrenheit 451 the other day on HBO Go and you know somebody lights themselves on fire in Fahrenheit 451 like all right like I've seen that before so when when mm-hmm. the dad lights yeah that movie is so bad huh he said, he said it was so that bad. That movie was so bad, man. Yeah, it was awful. I really, uh, I really wanted to like it, but... Yeah, that movie wasted two good performances. Anyway, um, the, like... Yeah, like, I've seen somebody get lit on fire in a movie, whatever. But I, I haven't really seen it in that novel form of this, like, ant, this decomposed, like... Yeah. Head and the ants and the makeup in that part was very was very well done. Yeah, it leaves, Plus, it leaves it up to your imagination, and then you almost forget about it. For, like maybe they're just not going to show it because they just don't go away from it, and then it just when it cuts back, you're like, oh. Geez. I think there's a there, there's a trust in there's a trust in storytelling that I think a storyteller has to have. The storyteller has to treat its audience like adults. Treat the in a sense of you don't have to handhold them. The whole time, like you can let people's imagination go and let people scare themselves and and you can you can kind of just put a chip on the table and let us as an audience run with it. And I think at its best, um, that's what Hereditary did. All right. Well, I think that's a good spot to end for now. Graham's got a movie to get to. Uh, he's He's seen Incredibles, too, which. I'm excited to make it to at some point this weekend, and I'll have a podcast coming on that out on that soon after this. But before we get out of here, you guys are football writers talking movies, but do you have anything you want to plug? 
Follow me on Twitter if you dare. Yeah, man. <laughs> RJ underscore writes. I tweet a lot less these days, but hey. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to cut back on my social media Twitter usage also, mainly because everything I say, uh, half it's pretty stupid or a bad pun. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at, at Graham Hall underscore. But follow Richard. He's way better than I am. And I'm at Josh Jernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. And thank, guys, thanks a lot. I hope you'll come back at some point when another movie catches your fancy. Absolutely. All right. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Josh. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.